0: Hey, this is Billy Claudio. I'm the pastor of Oasis Community Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope you find freedom today through the gospel. Enjoy the message. And Thank you so much, Don. Aren't you glad for forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ? It's a beautiful picture, beautiful thing. As the ushers come and grab your stuff, I want to welcome all you online. Thanks for being with us today. Two things I want to say. First, Jonathan, where are you, bro? I want to thank you for being here this morning. Jonathan Singh, pray for him. He's going to be planting the church in Surprise. So before he plants, he's making himself available to serve in ministry all around the country. And we were fortunate enough to have him uh, be with us today, so thank you. And also, uh, Bob and Terry... Just got married. Stand up, everybody. Bob and Terry. They got married yesterday, so we're celebrating with them. I want you to know, you are their honeymoon. <laughs> so we celebrate with you guys uh, that so much, and we're just so privileged and blessed. I, I want you to know I'm so blessed um For what the things that the Lord is doing. And I hope that you're reflecting on what God is doing in you. And the story that God is telling is he's wanting to enlarge your life. He's wanting to give you wisdom, guidance, and just understanding in the way you're administering your life. And I pray that an excitement is coming upon you. An energy is coming on you. A desire to share and pass the word on how good God is is coming upon you. Uh, Because the world needs revival. Scottsdale needs revival. Phoenix needs revival. And we are the bearers Of the mantle of God to the world around us. And I believe that God is gonna do some great things within our lives to help us do that. We're in a series called The Blessed Life. Um, We do this series once every three or four years, and it's basically our responsibility for God for His blessings on our lives. How many of you would say you're blessed? Right? So we have a responsibility to blessings, and we have to understand God's mindset as it relates to the blessings of our lives. And so this series is a reminder for us. And again, if you're visiting with us the first time, you're thinking, I can't believe I came for the first service, and he's talking about that. I want you to know, even in the essence of what I'm going to talk about today, you'll find value for yourself. And potentially, maybe for your own life, you'll maybe make some choices that will open up the doors of blessing and opportunity for you. Because I want you to know as a pastor, I want your life blessed. I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to bring something to you. Right? The mode of my message today, some might say that it's selfish and uh, se- se- centered on the church. It's really not. It's centered on you and God's desire to bless your life. The word was given so that you would be blessed. And we're going to use the word as a demonstration of a conversation that is driven for God's will for our life. He wants us to live in a blessed life. He wants us to live a life that has freedom in it and, and joy in it and peace in it and long-suffering. He wants that to be a part of our life, and he has a strategy on how we get there. And a part of that strategy is how we use the blessings of our lives in accordance with them. So uh, how many of you love the word of God? Right In the beginning was the Word, it says in John 1, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. This book is the, is the guiding level of our lives. And so we, we honor the Word, we take what the Word says and try to use it as a method of how we transform and change. We believe the Bible does, it says in Hebrews, it's, it, it divides between the soul and the spirit. It, it basically brings revelation to our lives of what we can be and what we should be. And so today we're going to open up the Word and we're going to find some things that are going to help us in this area. How many of you ever remember this situation? you were in high school and you got you get to high school and you're in the classroom and you know you're kind of just having a good old time and 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 you know someone says well are you ready and you're like am i ready am i ready for what it says well are you ready for the test and you say what test right you ever have that terrible feeling like oh no there was a test today and i am not ready you know many times in our lives we m- might have experienced the idea what test I want you to know that every time God blesses you in your life, you are put into a position of being tested with what you're going to do with the blessings of your lives. Every time. And many times we are going, I mean, what test? What test is there? God is going to reveal to us his wisdom, his guidance, and his instruction on how to manage the blessings that we have within our lives. And we're going to use Scripture to do that. Now, here's a question I'm going to ask you. uh, Because this really is, first let me ask you this. How many of you get paid once a week? Any once a weekers out there? How many of you get paid twice a month, all right? How, how many you get paid once a month, all right? How, how many of you don't ever get paid? <laughs> let's, let's pray for these folks today. Listen, when we get blessed, when God provides for us, he gives us a, a significant path on what we're called to follow in his blessings. And we're going to learn that path today because God truly does want to bless you in your life. So here's the question I'm going to ask you this, in this, in what test? Whom will you thank for your income? Right, It's a personal question. You can preach with me later if you want. Whom will you thank? That's the question. Whom are you going to thank with your income? And, and how does God expect you to show forth that thankfulness with your income? What, what is the manner, what is the method that we show thanks to God for what we provide? I'll say it this way. Who are you going to give first dibs with the worship of your income? Who will you give it to first? Who will you bless first? You know, many of us, MasterCard wants the first of your money, Right? <laughs> They're, they're expecting you to say, hey, and many of us, MasterCard is the first thing that we do. When we look at our finances, we go, what does MasterCard want? And God doesn't want us to think about what MasterCard wants first. He wants to be, remember we talked about the heart last week, and who wants to be first in our life? God wants to be first. He's always invited us. He said, if you keep me first, I'm going to help everything out. Just don't get me out of first place. Let me always stay in first place. And in this topic we're going to talk about today, many people struggle with keeping God in first place and position within our lives. So we're going to go to Scripture. We're going to find uh, some pictures of what God has instituted. We're going to find out in, in the Old Testament. Or we're going to find out in the New Testament, the context that we're going to talk about today. So turn in your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to begin in verse number 6. I'm reading actually out of the King James Bible today. I usually read out of the NIV, but today I'm using a lot of the, NIV, uh, the King James Bible. So let's begin. He says, uh, for I am the Lord, what does he say? I, I don't change. Aren't you glad God is stable? He, he doesn't change. Like, he, he's instituted principles. He's instituted a way to live for us, and, and he doesn't change from that manner of living. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of God. It's almost like it's a good thing that I don't change because I would have wiped you off the face of the earth by now if I did. But God's a loving God. Um, yet, verse number seven, from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them return to me and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts but you say in what way will we return now God is basically saying I want to get things fixed how many of you ever looked at your life and said I need some things fixed God is saying, listen, sometimes we recognize that things aren't bad. And it's really one of the most important things we learn first is when things aren't right for us to go, something needs to change. And God is basically saying, if you'll come back to me, I'm going to fix some of the problems that you have going on in your life. And in this context, God is inviting them. They're, they've been under great duress, great problem. And God says, I want to fix the problem that you have as it relates to your blessings in life. So let me go back to verse number 7. He said, um, You've gone away from ordinances and have not kept them. That term ordinance is simply this. It's the principles of ordinary behavior or a standard. It's like this is just the way that it happens. This is the way that it's supposed to be. It's it's the principle. It's it's the standard of the way that it's supposed to be. You have left the principle. You've left the standard way of doing it and decided that you have a better way and you have a better plan. Verse number 8, he begins to lay out the the call of something he's going to fix in verse number 8. Will a man rob God? Now, let me just stop here just for a second. How how many of you would think it'd be stupid to try to rob God? I'd be like, who would do that? Who in their right mind would do that? Yet you have robbed me. Hmm? But you say, in what way have we robbed you? I think many of us would go, yeah, that's the question. what way have we robbed God? What, What have we done? What possibly could we do to rob God? Well, this is what the Scriptures continue and goes on to say. You have robbed me. In what way? What does it say? You robbed me in tithes and offerings. Now, how many of you know God does not need your money? He he, he doesn't need your money for his sustainability. God's not in heaven going, I hope they give this week. Heaven's hurting if they don't give their offerings this week. I want you to know heaven is not hurting over your offerings or your tithes. Heaven isn't broken down. Heaven isn't messed up over your tithes and offerings. And again, we find this reflection God knows that heaven's not going to be messed up, but we're going to be messed up. We're not going to live the life that we are supposed to live if we don't operate in this principle or the standard way of living of learning to share in our tithes and our offerings, this ordinary way of going. He goes on to say this. Because you aren't doing this with your tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. In other words, no one is doing what they're supposed to be. And then he gives the the condition, what we're supposed to do. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. And I, this is the Lord speaking, will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. Says the Lord of hosts. All nations will call you blessed, for you will be delightful. You will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. God is saying, Listen, I, I I want you to be blessed. I want your life to be fruitful. I want the blessings of God's word to be a part of who you are, his life to be a part of who you are. And right now you're under a curse because you are robbing what is dofully belonging to my handiwork and my kingdom. It's called the tithe. The principle is this. It is God's children giving thanks to God with their first fruits. For his blessing in their lives. That's the principle. God expects you and me to give the first fruits of our blessing to him in honor for who he is. It's a a requirement throughout scripture. God says, whatever I do for you, I always want you to bring first to me. And if you remember, we talked last week about the big issue. You know, when when people talk about money in church, and I am talking about money in church for, for a reason. Because God wants us to be blessed. And, and we talked earlier last week that we, money is important to all of us. I mean, we think about it often. We use it often. But God has a construct of how he's inviting us to operate with our money so that we would be the most blessed possible. And, and in talking about this, you might be having a little you know, visceral reaction like, talking about money, I want you to know it's so critically important. Do you realize that the number one topic talked about in Scripture is the idea of what we do with the resources that we have? Whether it be our time, our talent, or our finances, there are thousands of scriptures that talk about the idea of how we manage what God puts into our hands. It's an important topic because it influences at such a great way. And God says, I don't want you to be cursed. I want you to be blessed. I want you to learn how to operate in the ordinary principle of being a sower of seed into the kingdom of God. And that standard principle is, is, is a tenth of our income. That's the word tithe means a tenth of our income. It's a tenth of what you earn, a tenth of your blessing. They say, I want to give this first, first fruits back to God. You know, some people would say, well, you know, we've been redeemed from the law, that old law. You know, it's, it's the curse of the law. We don't have to abide by it anymore. It's just the curse of the law. Well, it's true, the idea that we've been, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, we've been saved by grace, but it doesn't mean that everything else goes away. It doesn't mean the, the nature of what we deal with goes away. You know, the, the, the scriptures say, the law said, don't lie. What well, can I now say? Well, that's, that's under the law. I, I can lie now and say, grace be to you, Right. Well, we can't do that because it's the principle that mattered, right? The context of the principle was what mattered the most. It wasn't the, uh, the actual reality of what God was inviting. He said there's a principle that's larger and bigger in life. And it makes no sense when we begin to say, well, because we're not under the curse, I can do whatever I want. And interestingly enough, when it relates to money, many people use this conversation to say, well, it's, it's, it's money and that's the old, I can just do whatever I want. And I, actually, when you think logically, it just doesn't make any sense in accordance with all the other things that we see in Scripture that were the old covenant and the old principle that carried on into the new. And simply put, it's this. We are the stewards of his resources. And he has a strategy of how he wants us to use them. How many of you can trust God with your money? This is the question, isn't it? Can we trust God with our resources? Um, You know, these are strong words that you're reading today, but I want you to know I didn't write them. I'm not here to say, well, the church needs your money, so let me give you some grace. God spoke these to us because he wants us to be what? Blessed and not cursed. He wants us to live the blessing that he has. And if we're reminded, God doesn't change. He does not want us living under a curse. You know, when you read Malachi, we find out in Malachi, the first thing he says in chapter 1 is, listen, I want your faith back. I want you to return with your faith. The second is, I want you to return with your family. I want you to come back to me. The third is I want you to return with your finances. It's Malachi is all about returning and getting things back in order. and He's inviting us to do that within our lives. So simply put, tithing is an ordinary principle of God that we respond to in generosity toward him. It's a general principle of how we live our lives. So, And I, I just go back to this mindset uh, that there's consequences for not doing the right thing. How many of you would say you just know that's true? You ever notice that in life? There's just, when you don't do the right thing, there's consequences. And, and we all wish they weren't, but it, they just are. And learning how to manage our money is really important because just like every other thing, there are consequences to not following in God's purpose and plan and the motive of that, and I want us to live blessed. So here's a key for us to understand. We, we talked about at the beginning of the test. Tithing is simply a test. It's a test of where you put your hope and faith when it comes to your economy. It's the opportunity that we have maybe once a week, maybe twice a month, maybe once a month. And for those nevers out there, you're blessed with not having to take that test right now. (laughs) But tithing is fair for everyone. Isn't it interesting that God says, I'm going to do something that is equitable for everyone. If you make a little, you're just going to give a little. If you make a lot, you're going to give a lot. It's a simple test for everyone. Everyone's going to give a proportion, an portion to their blessings. The more you've been blessed, the more you're able to give. It's a beautiful thing. How many of you ever prayed for blessings? Haven't we all? And God says, I want to bless you. Just stay faithful to the ordinary principle, the standard of how the kingdom of God works, how I want my kingdom to work, and we are a pinnacle part of that. It's interesting when we look at scriptures, there are a number of things that we find the the, the idea of the tenth. Uh, I'll give some out to you. And again, I want to thank Robert Morris for his book, The Blessed Life. I think someone's going to start a Bible study soon about The Blessed Life. It's a great book by Robert Morris, and and the sermon series that he has done is just wonderful. But uh, he threw these things out that I thought were helpful. These are the things that are related to the tenth or have ten things in them. How, How many plagues, you can answer this, how many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten. Or I could say this, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart, right? He tested his heart ten times. How many commandments are there? How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Good, you knew that. That's amazing. How many days was Daniel tested? Go ahead. It's okay. You're safe. <laughs> Ten. You catching it? You catching kind of something? How many virgins were tested in Matthew twenty-five? How many days of testing were mentioned in Revelation? Right. How many disciples were there? Twelve. Very good. It was a test. It was, a, it was twelve. Some of you were right on top of that one. There were twelve disciples. Here's the key thing to understand about the tithe. The tithe is actually a two-way test. It's a test of our heart toward God, but notice what the scripture says in Malachi 3. I'm actually reading this out of the NIV. I'm going back to there. He says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That storehouse would be the place where the church is or the place where we sow seeds into the kingdom that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. God's saying, I want you to test me. I want you to test me. I'm asking you to do something. I want you to test me. So you're going to take a test, but I want you to know that you're testing me. He says, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it, store it in. It's the only place in Scripture that we ever find God saying, hey, test me in something. It's the only time we say, God, just try me. See if I don't prove something to you. And for some of you, maybe that's what you need. God saying, listen, I'm faithful. He's faithful whether you believe it or not, but this might be the first step that you take in saying, God, I trust that you are faithful. I'm going to step up to the plate and obey what you're calling me to do. That, that word test is like the testing of metal to see if it's pure. And really the issue for us is God's testing us. Are we pure? Are we keeping our heart in the right place as it relates to the resources that we have? God is simply saying, listen, I'm going to bless you. And when I bless you, you're going to get to keep 90% of what I give you. I just want 10% back. How many of you think that's too much to ask? We go, no, if God blesses me, of course it's not too much. I want to respond in blessing back to him. God basically says, listen, do it. You'll honor me with your resources when you step into this purpose and plan. Matthew 6 is a reminder. Remember, we learned last week that our wallet is tied to our heart. Where your heart, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And God's simply saying, I want you to make sure you keep on sowing the seed in the kingdom because that's where I want your heart to be. God is testing our heart. And again, if we go back down to this tithing. You know, some people say we're under the law. We're, there's no longer, you know, we're under grace. We don't have to do all those things. Well, the principle is not done away with. It's like lying. It's like, it's like murder. I can't just kill someone now and say it's under grace. Right? I can't just commit adultery now and say, well, you know, that was the Old Testament. That was the law. It's, it doesn't work that way. The principle stays true and the principle of, of our giving and our sharing. So, so tithing is a test. That's the first thing. The second thing, tithing is a biblical principle. We find it throughout scripture, from the very beginning of scripture through the end of scripture. It's a biblical principle. I'm going to read a couple scriptures to you. So it was a principle, for knowledge's sake, before the law was ever instituted. The law that many people say, well, it's the law. I don't do it. Well, tithing happened well before the law was ever established to give a tent. In Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20, it says this, then Melchizedek, which by the way, he's a considered a type and shadow, a Jesus figure in the Old Testament. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. So this is Melchizedek blessing him. And he gave, speaking of Abraham, Abraham gave him, Melchizedek, a tithe of all he had. So Abraham had just come back from, uh, from winning a battle. As he's on his way back, Melchizedek meets him and, and blesses him. And immediately his response is, I'm going to give you a tenth of all that I have. And again, we see this as a type and shadow, Melchizedek, uh, of Jesus in the New Testament. We find in, in Jacob makes a vow to the Lord in, in Genesis chapter 28. And again, this is well before the law. This first one, Melchizedek, was about 500 years before the law. This next one is about 400 years before the law. Genesis 28. In 22, verse 22, it says, And this stone, this is Jacob making a vow, and this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be, notice what it says, God's house. It's the place that God's going to dwell, or it's the place where God is going to be seen from and expressed from. It's the church mindset. It's the idea of God having a place where he dishes out his, his grace and his goodness through the benevolence form. He says, you give, and all of you give, you give me, and I will surely give a tenth to you. This is Jacob's vow. Abraham makes a vow, gives tenth. We see now Jacob, well before the law, taking a tenth of what he had. And this is important for us to understand this. You see, the tithe belongs to God. It's, it's his. It's like when you get something, a portion of what you have, if you just go, you know, if you just go when you get something, it's mine, it's all mine. We're missing something of the essence of what we receive. And many of us, when we get something, we only look at it like, well, what is this going to facilitate for my life? When God says, every time I bless you with something, a portion of what I blessed you with belongs to me. It's the tithe. In in Leviticus chapter 27, this is what it says, verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, this tenth, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. How much of the tithe? All the tithe. All of the tithe, it is holy to the Lord. That word holy means separated, set aside. It, it is set aside for the Lord. It's this invitation that God has for us to set aside the, the, the things that we have in our lives. We're, t- turn to, if, you, if you have your Bibles on your phone, you can t- turn to Deuteronomy chapter 26. The reason why God uses the term robbing in Malachi because he says, I've got first claim on that first 10%. It's mine. I want. I got things I have set aside to do with that 10%. I have the kingdom I want to facilitate. I have work that I want to facilitate. And in verse number 1 in Deuteronomy 26, it says, And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God, who's given it to you? God is giving you as an inheritance. God's giving you an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it. God provided that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land to the Lord, Uh, the land that the Lord your God is giving you, he's reminding you, are getting this from God, he's asking for something in return, and put it in a basket, and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide, right? The understanding of that is the church. It's where we do life together. It's where we share our resources together. It's where we do all the things that we get to do together, and all the resources that we give to missionaries, and support of widows, and food pantries, and all the things that we do together corporately is the design that God has made for the function of his kingdom, this togetherness that we, we We get to be a part of together. Jump down to verse number 13. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and also have given them to the Levite the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments which you commanded me. He's saying, What if I've removed the tithe? I haven't kept the tithe to myself. It's not in my house any longer, God. I want you to know that what I got, I made sure I took the tenth, and I've taken it out. It doesn't even I can't even look at it again, Lord. I've removed it from my opportunity to spend it myself. But he goes on to say even more strong words. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. Verse 14, I have not eaten any of it when I was in mourning. In other words, when times were tough, I didn't take it. And I have not removed any of it to, for an unclean use. I've not, not used it for sin. You know, a lot of people will take the money that belongs to the Lord and just go do crazy, stupid stuff with it. And he's, and he's saying, well, I'm not doing that, nor giving any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God, and I have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven, and notice what it says, and bless your people. God, we've done what was right when it came to what you've blessed us with, and we just invite you, Lord, to bless us. Now, I know some of you are still going, that's just Old Testament stuff. Well, how many of you would say, you know, if Jesus said it, then I would do it? You know, some of you maybe you're fighting if I said that. Well, even if Jesus says it, I don't know. Well, that tells us it's an issue of what? It's a hard issue, right? And if Jesus says it, obviously we want to do what he says, but this just shows you the, the strength of the, you know, the Bible calls it the spirit of man, and we'll talk about that in a, in a week or two. The idea of this possession, the enemy just tries to, to, to get us out of focus of God in an in 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 improper way, and we, we get attached to money in an improper way, and it makes us dysfunctional. He said, I don't want your heart to be messed up. So we're going to read something in Jesus' comment and conversation on tithing. In Matthew 23, 23, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. What is Jesus saying? He says, you guys, yeah, you tithe on your money, but you, you do more than that. You tithe on the spices that you have and uh, the spices that you get for your cooking. You even tithe on those things. If you're so driven by this law of tithing. You, you tithe on, on, on things that seem in, uh, not that big of a deal, but you're forgetting something that's more important. And basically what Jesus is saying, listen, make sure you, you have your, this mercy and justice that's got to be upon you. But, but yeah, don't, you got to do both. This is, Jesus, this is Jesus exclaiming and, and, and validating the idea that the tithe is something that continues on in our generation today. And I love this. You know that when you give, you don't give to, to, to the church. You do when you're giving. You, you, right, you're, whether you do a tithe check or you do, do it um, on the kiosk or you're online. Many people do it online these days. I want you to know that when you give that, it's important that you know what happens with that offering. In Hebrews chapter 7, it says this. Verse number eight, here mortal men receive your tithes. We receive your tithes as mortal men, right? We're humans that are taking the resources that you give. But notice what he goes on to say, but he receives them. Jesus receives them in heaven. When you give your tithe on the earth, you are giving, and the essence is you're giving it to Jesus, who's the, who's the head of the church. And he goes on to say, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. This Jesus that lives, he's not with us in the flesh. But when you sow your seed, you're not doing it for a man. You're not doing it for someone to go, oh, you're so good and you're giving. You're doing it to honor Jesus and saying, God, I love you so much. And I'm so glad to be a part of what you're doing on the earth today. I want to be a part like you want me to be a part. And I want to live a blessed life. Which moves me to the last point. Tithing is a blessing. Tithing is just a blessing. In the scriptures, Hezekiah, the scriptures had been kind of lost for a while. Hezekiah sent someone to the temple. They did some cleanup, and they found the scrolls that had the words of the Lord in them. I mean, imagine, this is how bad it got in Israel. They lost the words of God. They quit reading them. Hezekiah gets someone to go to the temple. They open up the scriptures, and they begin to read the scriptures. And in the reading of the scriptures, Hezekiah realizes, man, we have not been honoring God like we're supposed to. And he began to institute some things, and... Commands some things we need to get back to doing what god had invited us to do we got to turn it around and get our lives right and second chronicles 31 we're going to begin in in verse 31 and just by the way at this period of time they were in a terrible economic recession thank god we're not that here in america <laughs> times are tough you know i heard someone say me the other day you know times are tough people are going to start giving less i was like i pray that I pray that we don't give less based on our percentage. I pray we continue to give as we should. Because it positions us for blessing. And we don't ever want to be considered someone that's taking something that God wants to use for something else. For our own cause. Verse 31, uh, verse 4, he says, Moreover, he commanded the people, this is Hezekiah, who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. He's basically saying, hey, you got to give. The, 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 the priests have to do their work. They have to do their job, and they have to honor the Lord and the things that they're called to do. And he said, you have to support them according to the kingdom of God. He tells us what we need to do. You need to bring a tenth. And, and by the way, I want you to know that when you came in, how many of you had a cup of coffee? Anybody have a cup of coffee? Right? How many of you, uh, you came in, how many of you enjoyed the air conditioning? I want you to know the APS gives us the air conditioning. <laughs> Wait. I want you to know every, every enjoyment that you find here at Oasis, somebody paid for that. Somebody here was willing to be a giver in the kingdom of God and say, I'm going to create a resource ability in this church so that whatever we need to do, I want to be a part of making it happen. I'm going to do my part. And every how many of you, if you went to a restaurant, would consider leaving the restaurant without giving them anything? Like how many of you just say, "Well, I'm not going to pay for my food. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to leave." Like you wouldn't even consider it. It'd be, it, you would be appalled at yourself of saying, "Well, I ate something. Surely I should give something." It's a simple concept to go, yes, of course, if you're going to partake and receive. It, it should be just easy equity to say, well, yeah, I need to be a part of something. And many people don't even have the perception about the idea of I'm supposed to be a part of, of creating this vision of how God operates in the kingdom. And, and all of us are called to be a part of that story. There's not one person here that isn't called to honor God with the first fruits of what we've been blessed with. And not so that the church can say, well, we just need more, we need more, you got to get better. Because, no, I want you to be blessed. I want you to experience the blessing of God. And, of course, the more blessed that you are and that you give, it gives us more opportunity to, to do things that we need to do and take care of our staff, well, take care of the visions that we want to accomplish, well, where we don't have to worry about the resources that are in play because people are just living generous lives in honor to the Lord, which is the way God designed it in the first place. God blesses his people. When we follow his way, the concept of tithing, it's really not about the church. It's about you. It's about God doing in your life what he wants to do. He continues on in verse 5. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil, and honey, and of all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah who dwelt in the cities of Judah brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things which are consecrated to the Lord their God, and they laid in heaps. In the third month, they began laying them in heaps. The reason was the third month because that was the beginning of the harvest, right? Things started coming in. They began to lay it out, that first fruits. And they finished in the seventh month. So they were continuing in the process. Every time they would reap, they would bring in. And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned the priests and Levites concerning the heaps. He says, man, these, there's so much here. Are the people okay? I mean, there's so much here. How is it possible that, I mean, they've given so much. I mean, maybe they're hurting. Maybe, maybe they're doing too much. Maybe, maybe they're, 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 they're giving away too much. And we asked them, they responded, but we don't want them to not have what they need. And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty left. For the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is in great abundance. And the king said, oh, so they're blessed. The priest was like, oh, they're, they're, they're living a blessed life. You know, this truly is the testimony. There's kind of two ongoing testimonies that I hear of people when it comes to money. Those people that step into it and say, you know, I started tithing, and man, it's amazing how, you know, my son Billy. Are you here, Billy? Billy's in the back, I think. Or is he sitting somewhere? Where are you, Billy? He's over here. You know what? He's in the back. He's out there. A... You better get in here is what I have to say. <laughs> My son Billy, when, when, you know, as, he, as he started his career in and life, and, and he and his wife, Tawny, were you know, talking and discussing where they were in life, and they said, you know, we got to make this decision and the choice to, to, to be a tither. We want to be tithers. And they were like, We're we're gonna we're gonna do it, we're gonna go for it, we're gonna be tithers. And they began to sow their seed. And their life, as soon as they began to sow their seeds as tithers, their life just changed drastically financially. I started tithing when I was twelve. I don't know what life is like not to tithe. Like I just don't. It was my mother taught me about the principle of tithing, and every time I get something, I, I always go, Wow, what a blessing. I can bless God with this resource. I used to only be able to give this much, and now I'm, I can give this much. I can, And, and it, what a blessing it is to think that way in the mindset of that blessing in my life. And I can only say that my life has been blessed upon blessed upon blessed. And, and again, I don't give credit to me. I give credit to God and his word and his path for humanity. God wants you to be blessed. And I know you go, well, it seems like if I give, I'm going to lose. And God says, trust me. Proverbs says this is there there are those that hold on to and keep and come to nothing and those that give away that they just keep it just keeps coming back they can't stop themselves from giving away more it's the principle of tithing and offering i'm going to close with a simple illustration and again i go tithers say they just say the blessing and then there's other people that say this well i just can't afford to tithe i'm like you can't afford not to tithe The reason you're in this position is because you haven't trusted God with your economics. It's still on you to produce and provide for yourself. But if you'll trust God and say, God, I'm going to honor you and what you've taught and what you've led in. Give me three guys up here real quick. Who are my Three guys coming up here. All right. This is my closing illustration. I've got two minutes to do it. Okay, four minutes to do it. I'm going away on a trip. And I got these friends of mine that I'm going to say, I want you to make sure my wife is taken care of, right? I'm going to give you each $10,000. And what I want you to do when I'm gone, I want you to make sure that you give her $1,000 of the 10000 I give you. I'm going to give you money. You're going to be blessed with it. But I want you to make sure that you give her $10,000. She's my wife. I want her taken care of. And I'm going to give you money to take care of my wife because I want you looking out after her, you know, and just making sure she's provided for. So I give each of you $10,000. And I go, Don, tell me, how's Johnny doing with the, you know, with the giving? Oh, Johnny's been faithful. It's like once a month, it does clockwork. That check comes in once a month. It is, man, it shows up. Johnny has been faithful. I'm like, that's awesome. Well, tell me about Brandon. Oh, man, Brandon, he's, he, 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 doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't just give 1000 He gives 2000 to me. You're like, Well, you, I only told him to give a thousand, but Brandon, you you're you you're you're your sacrifices. You're going you giving extra to my wife to make the sure she's taken care of. And I said, Well, well tell me about how. Well, you know, Hal, he started out good. He gave me seven hundred dollars the first month. And then and, and then he gave me four hundred dollars the next month and but for the last seven or eight months he hasn't he hasn't really said anything. Now, we, we would go, like, as we look at the situation, again, you guys can sit down. Thank you so much for just doing that. I use illustration. You guys pray for Hal, all right? <laughs> the illustration is simply this. The illustration is simply, when you think of those individuals and you think to yourself, how, how, could, how dare Hal, how dare he not do at least what Billy asked him to do? He wanted his wife taken care of, and he blessed Hal, and and said, just make sure you take care of my wife. And you go, how how who who, who would not take care of his wife when they were they, they were blessed and received, right? And you, you look at the guy in the middle, Brandon, and you go, wow, what a he's really generous. He just didn't do it. He he was so blessed and so thankful. He he even gave him more. But do you know that the, the church is the bride of Christ. Jesus said, I'm leaving. I'm going to need you guys to keep an eye out for the church. And again, we are cumulatively the bride of Christ together. But individually, we are basically these caretakers of saying, I want the church taken care of. And I want you, when I give you something, I want you to help support the vision of the kingdom on the earth. And all I'm going to ask when I bless you, I just want you to take a 10% cut of what you give and just give it to me for the purpose, one thing only, for the kingdom of God and the kingdom alone. And this is the encouragement that the Lord gives to us in our service to him. And it's not because God needs something. He wants you to live a blessed life, and he wants his name lifted high. And this is the strategy, the system of how he implemented blessing for our lives and fulfillment of the purpose of the kingdom of God on the earth, that we can do all the things that we want to do, that we dream about doing, for the glory of God and for the saving of people. Because we want people to find Jesus. We want people to experience Jesus. You know, when we went out to go take, to take baskets to those houses, uh, 52 baskets, they cost $20 apiece. You know why we could do it? Because of you. you. You gave. And when Don said, this is my idea, this is our plan, can we do it? We said... You know, people have been generous and been given, so let's do it. Let's, let's go ahead and spend $20 a basket so we can go and love on them. We can give them something meaningful, and we're going to preach the gospel because we have the resources to do it. And again, I'm thankful, but there are many people that aren't living in the blessings of God. There are many people that are missing out on the fruitfulness that God has in store for their lives, and there's a lot more things that we would like to do as a church to facilitate and to do without worrying because we have the resources to make it happen. It's a beautiful picture of the grace of God toward us and through us, And so I invite everyone here today, pray. Position yourself before God to say, Lord, help me honor you with my finances. So I keep my heart right, and so I facilitate the things of the kingdom, and so that I can live a blessed life. We're blessed at Oasis, and I'm so grateful for the many of you that participate on a regular basis in your giving and your tithing. It means so much to us, and I just want to encourage everyone else, be a part of the story. Each week we're telling more testimonies and more things that God is doing. And your fruitfulness of giving is a part of the reward. When you get to heaven, God's going to say, well done. You helped support the kingdom of God. These are the lives that were saved. These are the lives that were changed. Thank you for being a part of the kingdom of God. I close with this as I do every week. I always ask people if they need to know Jesus. You know, I say, you're talking about money. You're going to ask people if they know Jesus? Absolutely. (laughs) Because more than money, Jesus cares about our heart and our life, where we are. Maybe you're here and you feel far from God. You don't have to feel far anymore. He loves you. He cares about you. He cares about your soul. He cares about your eternal destination. He cares about your daily life. He died for you so that you could know him. And maybe today you're here and you don't know him. It's a simple prayer that we open up our heart to his love. We receive the forgiveness of our sins and he becomes the Lord of our life. We choose to call him the new manager of our life. I give you charge of my life. Maybe you need to do that today. We're going to pray a prayer. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of dedication where we just make Jesus the Lord of our life and we are forgiven of our sins and life begins new. Would you pray with me if that's you? And we're going to join together with you as a congregation and say, thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for my sins so that I could be saved from eternal separation from God. Today, I give you my life. I choose to follow you Jesus, I believe that you died and rose from the dead and you have resurrecting power in store for me now to raise my life to new levels of glory. I give you thanks for that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you. So glad that you were here today. Um, If you need prayer of any kind, our prayer ministry team leads are going to be up here at the end for your needs if you have some of those. As you go Small groups, This is our, I think our one more week left, our last week of signing up for small groups. If you have not signed up for small groups, there's still a lot of them out there. we got a lot of people in them now. We don't want you to miss out. Make sure you go check out a small group you can be involved with. May God bless you. Don't forget about... Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. I really hope God moved in your heart today. And if you're in the Scottsdale area, I'd love for you to come and visit our campus on one of our Sunday services. You can find details to our service times on our website. I also want to thank our faithful givers. By giving towards our podcast, you're able to help us reach people from all over the world for Christ and fulfill the mission of Oasis, which is to love God, love life, and love people. God bless.